1: It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
2: So in this episode, we're going to continue our series on adrenals. The last one, we talked about the kind of transitioning from concealed type of PCOS to adrenal fatigue. More, we like to use the term adrenal dysfunction. This one, we're going to talk about testing.
0: Sorry, I'm a little distracted. If any of you hear like a little like chomping noise throughout the, the entire episode, I apologize. We have our dog with us because we always bring him to our office and he's going to town on this bone.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, sitting at our feet enjoying a, a bone of some sort
0: it won't be a bone much longer. I think it's going to be eaten. Yeah. But but yes, we're going to talk about, we're going to continue talking around about adrenal fatigue, or as we like to call it, more adrenal um, dysfunction. And one of the um, main things that You know, we've been dealing with adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction for years. I mean, since we started practice in 2003, 2004, but what we've always run up against and even now in 2019 is, you know, patients aren't really technically being diagnosed with adrenal fatigue because technically it's not a diagnosis.
2: Yeah, right. We touched on this on the last episode too, is how cortisol is such a major hormone. You know, like you said, we can't live without it. Our body, we wouldn't survive without that major hormone. But yet, when it comes to a diagnosis, there's these two rare things. Uh, What was the one? What was the diagnosis? The ICD-10 code that you actually found. What was the name of it? Well,
0: throughout the years, I've always been looking for some kind of ICD, you know, ICD-10 code to be able to diagnose. You know, there's Dr. Mackey will talk a little bit about Addison's and Cushing's disease, but there is one that has been around not that long called an unspecified adrenocorticoinsufficiency. Now, that is also a little bit vague, and a lot of doctors don't use it because the whole kind of controversy behind it is the diagnosis is meant for people, you know, patients that don't produce enough cortisol and aldosterone, or cortisol or aldosterone. And you might say, hey, that sounds just like adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction. But everybody that does the typical normal lab testings that their conventional doctors do always come out in the normal range, so they can't diagnose them with that E27.4 ICDN-10 diagnosis code because their labs look normal, when in reality, we know, you know, that they're not normal, that they have adrenal dysfunction, but they're told that they're normal, they're dismissed, and sent on their way.
2: Yeah, right. So that's really a kind of a drawback from doing a, a blood cortisol test, and most functional medicine doctors are aware of that. Most functional doctors do not test cortisol through blood precisely for that reason because everybody as you said is going to fall within that reference range and and it's a a fairly wide reference range you might be low normal but technically if the number is low normal using that objective information for that for to be able to bill that diagnosis code you wouldn't be able to do it if the number if the if the the cortisol level comes back within that reference range, you wouldn't be able to use that that diagnosis code. So it really leaves doctors and patients with really no other options. That's why a lot of people that we work with, they don't really have a diagnosis. They have these kind of pseudo- functional medicine ideas or concepts or theories that are not actual real diagnoses.
0: And that's a good, you know, kind of segue into, you know, blood testing. So typically, when you're looking at testing for any diagnosis for any condition it is, hey, let's do some lab testing. Let's do some blood testing. That's what pretty much most conventional doctors will do. And Dr. Mackey's right. If you do a cortisol blood test, Everybody, I would say probably most, if not all, of the people with adrenal dysfunction come back with a normal blood cortisol level on that test. And of course, you know, we had talked about the diurnal curve of cortisol. The adrenal secrete cortisol high in the morning, it comes down slowly with time, and then it's very low at night, so that we can go back to sleep. So when you're doing a blood test, it's just one second and one minute of your day. Let's say you go in at 10 in the morning, it's not. And the reference ranges are huge. Everybody just falls in those normal reference ranges. And some doctors trying to be a little bit more progressive might have somebody go in at eight o'clock in the morning and then go back at four in the afternoon, but they're still going to nine times out of 10, you know, if not 10 times out of 10, fall in that normal range.
2: Yeah, because the range is so wide. So everybody falls within that Within that range, Uh, when you do a morning cortisol, you have to be to the lab by nine o'clock. But when you're trying to assess someone's adrenal function, so think about it, you got to get up, you got to shower, you got to put on your clothes, you got to drive to the lab, you have to be there before nine o'clock, depending on what time you woke up. Of course, your cortisol is going to be a little bit higher by the time you get there. So, because you're awake and you're moving and you're driving your car, you know, on your way to the uh, on your way to the lab, it may still be low normal, but it's more than likely going to still be a normal test.
0: And you think you're sitting in the lab, you have a needle coming at your arm to be stabbed no matter how calm and cool and collected you are, your cortisol levels are still gonna spike up a little bit as a stress response to a needle coming to stab you in the arm. That's why, um, on a side note, a lot of times when you run someone's fasting glucose, it might be high normal or a little over the edge of normal, and that's usually because I'll ask them, hey, um, how was that draw? And they'll say, oh, it was awful. They had to poke me twice and they were moving the needle around and I have this huge bruise. And I'll say, yeah, yeah, no wonder, you know, your cortisol went up and that automatically mobilizes glucose. So that's why your glucose is a little bit over the edge of normal. So definitely blood testing and with cortisol to determine cortisol levels for adrenal dysfunction is is a no-go
2: yeah and that's even why like coffee is not you're not really supposed to drink coffee in the morning because coffee raises cortisol cortisol will have an effect on your blood sugar and it can throw off pretty much everything it can throw off your blood sugar and throw off your cholesterol it can throw off all those numbers so you know that's why they usually only recommend water in the morning because you're already going to get a skewed result but based on what we just talked about the the needle driving to the you know d- you know if you're driving there before nine o'clock you're probably going to be stuck in a l- at least a little bit of traffic or some kind of rush hour. Those are all kind of stressful things that's going to give you an artificially inflated number anyways. So back to your point, then everyone's going to have a normal number. Now I've seen over the course of the years, I've never seen a low cortisol on a blood. Have you ever seen a low one?
0: I've seen definitely seen low normal, but not actually out of their huge, humongous, vast reference ranges, but I have seen high.
2: Yeah, I've seen a few high. Uh, They were kind of borderline like Cushing's, like the patients didn't end up having have Cushing's because again, Cushing's is a fairly rare problem, but they were definitely, you know, high elevated number that was, you know, certainly got our attention for sure.
0: And also too I'll see them high if people are on certain medications of course you yeah. know steroids prednisone that kind of thing
2: yeah right 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 and that wouldn't that doesn't really I mean that doesn't really count because no. like I said they're on such a you know powerful medication but there are a couple of ways that you can infer what's happening with the adrenals okay and especially for women you know somewhat for men but really for women that gives a little glimpse, you know, because we're going to do blood work anyways, because we're looking at thyroid, we're looking at some other inflammatory markers, we're looking at insulin, we're looking at a few other things. So it just makes some sense to look at these adrenal hormones at the same time.
0: Exactly. So we'll go into some other testing, but let's continue talking about some of the common blood testing that you can do for the adrenals. Like we said, we kind of, you know, put cortisol blood testing to the side. But you can also test for DHEA, which DHEA is a hormone that's secreted from the adrenal glands. So that's another blood test that you can do trying to infer or look for that adrenal dysfunction.
2: Yeah, right. Another one that we both do quite often is pregnenolone. Now, all of those hormones are, you know, technically would be classified as steroid hormones because they're all made from cholesterol. So cholesterol, if if you go down the little steroid tree... And a lot of these uh, labs and, you know, different things will have these little pathways. Cholesterol then gets turned into pregnenolone. Pregnenolone gets turned into DHEA and then DHEA will branch into the other uh, sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, including cortisol. All right. So they're all fairly similar in their, with their cholesterol backbone. And as we just said, testing directly for cortisol doesn't really tell you a lot, but testing for the other ones can tell you quite a bit.
0: Exactly. So with the DHEA, you don't want to test blood levels of DHEA total, because that usually is such a broad number, is we like to, if you're gonna do a blood test, is do the DHEA sulfate, which is a metabolite of DHEA, but it's a little bit more specific or accurate in evaluating the levels of DHEA in the body. Now DHEA in men is it's an androgen. Uh, Men have more DHEA than us females. And also we have more DHEA when we're younger and it slowly goes down with time. So that's why It's a little bit of a a double-edged sword because the lab reference ranges are pretty broad, even for DHEA sulfate.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, It'll range, for a woman in her 20s, it'll range anywhere from 40 to 300, uh, 350, something like that. And then as the decades go on, that, you know, that... The bottom number, the the bottom end of the reference range stays pretty consistent, but the top end of the range, by the time a woman's in her you know fifties or sixties, I think it goes up down to like 188. I mean, it, it goes pretty low, so it drops uh, you know quite a bit over a, about a about a 30 year period.
0: But you can pretty much, on generalized terms, to tell you is you know, a DHA sulfate that's under 100 are on that, you know, that low end of normal range, you definitely should consider that that person has adrenal dysfunction. So if you're seeing that DHA sulfate on that low normal range, regardless of the age, you're going to have to infer like, hey, we need to look into this adrenal dysfunction because that's typically what you will see.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. So even for us, we like to see a DHA sulfate for women at least at 100. Uh, now, granted, as we talked about PCOS in the last uh, series that we did, we don't want that number to be too high somewhere between let's say 125, what would you say? 125 to 175 would be a kind of appropriate. Once you get above 175, that's kind of where you start getting into that PCOS range.
0: Yeah, over 180, you start, they could be having a, you know, sensitivity to those androgens or the, to the DHEA and then you know, as we're going to talk now about the testosterone, because testosterone isn't an adrenal hormone, but for especially for females is DHEA converts into testosterone. So when you see that DHEA sulfate, you know, over 180, you know, that that could also be converting into testosterone and creating high levels of testosterone. But like we were saying in adrenal dysfunction, you're going to see the DHEA sulfate on that low end of normal.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, the DHEA is going to be you know less than hundred, less than seventy-five. In some cases, it's going to be less than fifty. And then, of course, you would almost expect the testosterone to follow suit, and the testosterone is going to be probably more than likely like in the single digits, it's going to be less than ten. Um, that is definitely uh, an indication that that person, whoever that person is, has had you know chronic stress, you know, for quite a long time to make those numbers to be so low.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we, you know, I know it seems like we're talking a lot about the ladies, but, you know, we see a lot of ladies as our patients, but the, so you will see in the females with adrenal dysfunction, their DHA sulfate is low, their testosterone, you know, low normal, and then that testosterone as a blood test as well for the females, you will see that on the low normal range too. Now the Quest reference range for testosterone is two to 45 what is it, nanograms per deciliter, it's huge. I mean, you could be at two and you can be at 45 and that's normal. But typically with adrenal dysfunction for females, you'll see that, that number somewhere, you know, anywhere below 15. Usually if you see it below 15, you know, eight, nine, seven, I've seen three. That's definitely pointing to some kind of adrenal dysfunction that you want to look into. Now, men, because men have adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction as well, I mean, just as much as females do, is the reference range for testosterone on men is 250 to like 1100 nanograms per deciliter. That's huge. 250 to 1100.
2: Yeah, right. Now, if you're if you're a man, you know, and your testosterone is 8 or 900, you're going to feel pretty good. If your testosterone's 250 or 251 in the normal range, you're going to feel a little bit different than again, there there needs to be and this is what we work with, there needs to be kind of a you take the patient's case or their situation into consideration. You look at the numbers and honestly, if there's a clinical presentation and those numbers are low normal, even though they're still normal, That is, you know, that's a positive, that's a positive test right there.
0: Exactly. See, a male, if with adrenal dysfunction, you will definitely see their testosterone down at 250. I've even seen men, which like I said, that's a vast reference range, men at 100, 180 for their testosterone. So that, and even in young men, you know, they're 45, 48, 53, they're, you know, they're young. They they should have a testosterone of at least, you know, 500 or 600. So definitely us if your testosterone's testing low and you're not sure why or low normal, definitely we want to work on the adrenals, not just the testosterone.
2: Yeah, right, yeah. And you know, granted, we do obviously a hormone replacement for men, you know, we do prescribe testosterone quite often. But we do have somewhat of an age limit. Like we're not going to give a 20-year-old or 25-year-old, we're not going to give them testosterone. We're not even probably going to give an early 30-year-old testosterone. Uh, some situations where that might apply, say so they've already been given testosterone by another doctor, which does happen. We do it a little bit of a different way that can ha- actually help restore their testosterone rhythm, but almost in all those cases of men, whether they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, or beyond, if they have low testosterone or low normal testosterone, usually their stress level is really high, right? So the cortisol is just a testosterone killer you know, for men, and it just pulls their numbers down so significantly, you know, so in in some ways, you're right, a low normal testosterone for a male or a female is a really good indication that they have been under stress for a long time. You can even look at the labs, you don't even have to hear anything from them. You just look at their labs, and say, Oh, yeah, this person's really stressed out. And then usually you ask them, and they're like, Oh, yeah, it's been it's been a rough couple of years or, you know, something and they they confirm that, um, that your suspicions were right based on what the numbers
0: say. Now, you, Dr. Mackey had mentioned earlier about pregnenolone, and pregnenolone is a hormone that comes from the adrenal glands. It, there's also a little bit made in the spinal cord in the brain, which is why Pregnenolone is so amazingly like neuroprotective. It's great for memory. It's what helps you learn things when you're, you know, your kids, you know, when you're 20, you have such high levels of pregnenolone, which is why you remember everything. You don't even have to take notes in a meeting, but you will definitely see with pregnenolone with adrenal dysfunction, it drops. Pregnenolone probably is more I've noticed over the years more sensitive to the adrenal stress, or as Dr. Mackey was mentioning, you know, lifestyle external stress that's putting stress on those adrenals, you'll see that pregnenolone plummet. And I'll see it plummet in all ages. I've seen gals in their early 20s and it's nothing because of a something, you know, something bad that had happened or, or, you know, you'll see, you know, somebody in their forties and it's like it, you know, at eight. Now this is another little bit of a, as again, if you're going to test pregnenolone in the blood, which is very accurate doing it blood wise, the reference range, you've got to take into consideration because even for Quest, the reference range is 22 to 237 nanograms per deciliter. That's huge. 22 to 237. Um, LabCorp doesn't really have a reference range. They just say anything less than 150 is normal. But we will tell you anybody that has a pregnenolone level of under 80 is definitely going to be considered for adrenal dysfunction. I always kind of make 80 sort of my creme de la creme number that we're working towards to bring their pregnenolone up to.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. And those are uh, DHA sulfate, I think, has been done for a long time. Pregnenolone isn't done. uh, It's never done in primary care settings. It's never done by endocrinologists. Certainly, you know, functional medicine-minded doctors are certainly going to test a pregnenolone. But this is a, a very simple way between those three tests, the testosterone, the pregnenolone, the DHA, it gives you a little glimpse of what's going on. Now, uh, we're going to go into, you know, if we do need more information, right, if there is uh, something going on or they're not responding to our initial treatment or something, or there's just something weird going on with their symptom picture, then we might actually go into a little bit more adrenal, specifically more adrenal testing.
0: Yes. the um, Honestly, the saliva testing for adrenal dysfunction, in particular for cortisol, is so accurate and so amazing. So we're talking about the blood test because that's what Generally, everybody in this country has access to. They have access to their primary care, who has access to doing, you know, send you over to Quest. So, we're giving you some background or some insight into saying, hey, you know what? I don't have the availability to do a saliva test, which you're going to talk about, or a urine test, which we're going to talk about. I only have the availability to do a blood test. So, we're kind of giving you a little background on that. But definitely, if you have the option, and in, in we're suspicious of having adrenal fatigue slash adrenal dysfunction is you doing a saliva test is going to tell you everything you need to know about your cortisol.
2: Yeah, right. It, it gives a really good baseline kind of, you know, granted now if someone comes in, you can just tell by asking some questions where kind of where they are, but the the saliva test uh, and the reason why the saliva test is different one now granted, like you said, it's a different is it's a little bit more complicated, uh, where the lab, te- the blood testing is just all done in one shot it makes it really easy, really simple, it's convenient, and you know, a lot of times covered by insurance. So like you say, people have access to it. The saliva testing is done at home, right? So you can't go to your doctor and request them to do a test because they won't know what they're talking. They won't really know what you're talking about. Uh, So you get a test sent to your home. You provide four samples over the course of the day and evening. So morning, noon, afternoon, evening. Usually, evening is probably close to bedtime. And then when you get the report back, or when when the practitioner gets the report back, there'll be a little graph that shows up on the report, and it's very easy to see where your where your cortisol is mapped out compared to what the reference range is. And we see them kind of all over the place. Sometimes they're like a flat line. Sometimes it's, again, most people low in the morning, you're tired, can't get out of bed. And it starts peaking in the evening, which is why people can't fall asleep. That's probably one of the most common.
0: And while like Dr. Mackey said, you can talk to someone, you can get their symptoms. We kind of already know that they probably have that reverse diurnal curve with cortisol. But when somebody can see that on paper, it can be pretty powerful. I mean, People will cry saying, you know, my doctors think I'm crazy. You know, they say I'm normal, but I'm like, you look at your cortisol. No wonder you can't wake up in the morning and no wonder you can't go to sleep at night. You know, it, it can't, you know, having that objective data can be really powerful.
2: Yeah, right. And it does give a certain level of severity, like, like you said, how significant is the dysfunction. And then for, for, you know, from a practitioner perspective, it helps us to kind of determine what the treatment is going to be. Because when you're talking adrenals, everyone isn't going to get the same treatment, right? You're talking all the way from prescriptions like hydrocortisone down to lifestyle and, uh, you know, nutrients like vitamins and minerals. And there's a few things in between, you know, having that extra little bit of information whether it's a blood test and or the saliva test or we're going to talk about the Dutch test here in a second having a little bit of extra information is going to help you know the practitioner be able to make those decisions and now hopefully getting that person back back to a, a functional state fairly soon
0: And saliva tests have been around for a really long time and they've come a long way since we've been in practice you know not even that long since 2003 you know you've seen these saliva tests really change there's two companies there's lots of companies that do it but there's two companies that we like the best diagnostics we've used for for years they've been around oh my gosh since the 90s doing saliva testing for cortisol i want to say i yeah. think the late 80s i think yeah, I think. I yeah think they they,
2: were, even, yeah, they were like
0: the leaders in that and like i said this saliva testing really has has changed even over the last decade and zrt is another lab that's been around i guess longer now, I still think of them as being new, but they're probably more like, what, 12 years? Uh,
2: I think it's probably even longer than that. But uh, yeah, and they're both, you know, Pacific Northwest companies. So uh, Diagnostics is in Tukwila or Kent, which is basically South Seattle, and ZRT is in Oregon, you know, so uh, that's, that's great.
0: Yeah, they're great companies to to use and and work with.
2: Yeah, yeah. So those are, those are, I think ZRT is probably a little bit more popular as far as with the public or what people are aware of. But both of them, you're still going to get a four saliva sample, you know, going to give you that. That's why doing a blood test at nine o'clock in the morning, that one blood draw, that's why that is not necessarily the best way to do it because you're literally, you, you know, for whatever it takes the time for that blood to go into that vial, that's really the only information you have over the course of the entire day. And that diurnal curve, cortisol basically helps us regulate our circadian rhythm. So it's supposed to be high in the morning, supposed to be low at night. So it's going to rise and fall over the course of that you know, light, a light, dark cycle. Doing one blood test isn't going to tell you that. It's just not going to give you really any useful information. Not to mention, like we said earlier, everyone's going to come back within the normal range anyway. So what does that tell you?
0: Exactly. So the saliva test will look, we like the saliva test for the cortisol. It will do DHA and insulin and, you know, testosterone saliva. I kind of prefer doing the blood test for that, just because I've always done that. So I do compare up, do the blood test for the DHA sulfate, the testosterone. alone isn't on a saliva test yet, so I'm sure it will be soon, but it isn't. So it's having both of those, you know, the DHA sulfate, the testosterone, the pregnenolone blood wise, and then doing the saliva test for the cortisol is really comprehensive. But if you want to get really like ultra comprehensive, is doing what's been out for the last couple of years is doing a, a dried urine test called a Dutch test. Now, that's probably one of the most comprehensive hormone and adrenal testing that you can probably find, even now <laughs>
2: yeah right yeah yeah i think it's good cuz it it gives you the metabolites it shows you where things are converting and where where things are you know uh uh, the, you know, kind of the, really the metabolites that never get tested, the androstenedione and all the things in between and, you know, cortisol, free cortisol, cortisone, there's oh, a the lot estrogen of- Estrogen
0: metabolites yeah that, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, those are really cool to look at on that urine test that you can't get, you definitely can't do that on a, on a blood test. And I know they haven't done that yet on a saliva test, but on the urine test, you can definitely see those estrogen metabolites, which we could go on and on and on, but those are really important, especially for females that might be at risk for breast cancer. So it gives us a little bit of an idea. So the Dutch test is super cool.
2: Yeah. So you're looking at the androgens, so DHA, testosterone, all those metabolites, you're looking at the uh, stress hormones so cortisol cortisone and all those metabolites you can't do progesterone through the through the uh, the dutch test so you look at a couple of specific progesterone metabolites and then of course like you said about the estrogen so you really get a wealth of information um, that you can't get through a traditional typical blood test Um, so that definitely from a from an adrenal perspective that is really valuable there's a lot of really good information there that uh, you know that can really help someone kind of get going in the right direction.
0: Yep. And you don't have to do a blood draw. You just collect your urine. And and it does have the um, cortisol diurnal curve on there too. So if you kind of want... You know the full monty. A Dutch test will provide that, but like I said, I still I still like to get that pregnenolone with the blood, definitely, and then you know a couple other things just to just to match up. You know, just to match things up, and then of course, like Dr. Mackey said, is most importantly is getting your subjective information on what your symptoms and what your lifestyle and what's going on with you. And put it all together.
2: Now we do run into situations a lot. We do sell uh, direct to you know the you know the public. We do sell lab testing, um, just because we want people to be able to have access. And we come across situations all the time where people's doctors uh, they just refuse to run certain tests. They just will not. So we'll be working with the patient, patient wants, we're off of course not covered by insurance. They wanna go back to their doctor to have their labs covered by insurance. We give them a list of labs to be requested And the doctors won't run it. Now we understand why doctors don't want to do that. They're doing labs for some other doctor. I understand that part, but there still needs to the information still needs to be gathered. You know, so we provide to our patients. We provide them cash pricing on labs, um, both blood testing and functional testing labs. So the the ZRT and the in the diagnostics and the Dutch testing, we provide that direct because we want people to be able to get access to the information. We don't want it to be kind of held hostage necessarily because nowadays there's enough information out there if you have those things you can you can kind of help yourself in some respects Uh, and that's why we're doing these podcasts is to be able to educate and to help people to be able to do just that kind of take responsibility and take control and uh in some ways, in this day and age, you know, back in the 50s, you know, the doctor was the 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 doctor was the center of the, the healthcare team, right? Now it has to be the person or the patient has to be the center of the healthcare team, and they have to kind of direct people the way they want. Otherwise, things don't really get done. There's just too many people, and, uh, you know, healthcare has changed quite a bit since then. Uh, so you have to kind of be your own advocate, and we are trying to enable people to be as much of their own advocate as possible.
0: Yeah, we want to make this available to you. So if you might not have The availability to do a a DHEA sulfate test or a pregnenolone, which, you know, is kind of like, I think the unsung hero of the adrenals, but isn't tested very often from your conventional doctor. If you don't have access to that, or, you know, you want to do a saliva test because you're sure your cortisol is low in the morning or you, you know, the Dutch test is really amazing. Hey, I want the full Monty is, you know, we have that available for you because you're one of our Progress Your Health podcast listeners.
2: Yeah, so uh, if you'd like to, uh, you can always go to our website, ProgressionHealth.com, uh, click on this, uh, the shop to go to our online store. You can use the code PYHP67. Health- yeah, PYHP67. So that is Progression Health Podcast 67. So PYHP to get a 20% discount on adrenal lab testing. Now we do. We do pretty much all types of uh, lab testing and we can even put together a custom panel if there's something that you want that we don't have listed on our website. So you can just reach out, either uh, send an email or uh, give us a phone call. Our assistant Erica will take care of uh, whatever details you, questions you might have and fill in any details that you, that we didn't talk about on this podcast.
0: And the reason the code is PYH67 is this is our 67th podcast, which I'm kind of stunned because we were talking about yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm still kind of nervous when it comes to podcasting. And you're like, we've done 66 of them. And I've said, no, I'm like, no, we haven't. Yeah,
2: this is 66, 67. I should
0: be more comfortable, but I'm getting there.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, this is PYHP 67, 20% discount on adrenal testing. And uh, we're going to continue the series where we have uh, the next three coming up. We're going to talk about the, it's getting close to Halloween, We did this before, but we're going to do it again just because it's appropriate based on this series and the time of the year. So we're going to talk about the three types of, it's not really adrenal fatigue, but that's kind of what we call it. So the three types of adrenal fatigue that we see, that'll be the next three episodes.
0: And like he's mentioning about Halloween, the three types that we see that we talk about a lot is the vampire, the ghost, and the zombie. So when you listen to those, you can see if maybe you fit into one of those types.
2: Yeah, right. So I think this uh, wraps up the adrenal testing for now. Dr. Davidson, anything else to add?
0: Nope. We'll see you at the next podcast.
2: All right. Until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey,
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
2: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.